Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Once you start telling yourself, I'm depressed, it's like a very slippery slope to keep following that path. And then you go to a GP, you tell them I'm depressed. And quite often, and having my own podcast, I hear this story time and time again. It's straight away, I hear, yeah, you're depressed. Take this pill. I want a fat bank account and an empty schedule. That's me. I want to have no commitments and a fat bank account. So how can I do that? So he's optimized his life for that. Let's give it a chat, man. all about action it's about going okay we're all knowledgeable but let's be wise now and actually do this stuff when people say knowledge is power knowledge is power but he goes no knowledge is potential power Mm. people know they should do them but they don't actually do them it's so simple that it's hard biggest corporations in the world and their job is to create marketing that literally psychologically tricks you into saying you're insignificant without our product buy it it'll make you feel good go on this holiday to bali that'll make you feel good Give you the perfect example. Let's go to McDonald's and get a happy meal. It's life as a whole. What has been your biggest challenge? Cooper, before the show, I got you to write down a quote that came to mind, something that you love. And out of all of the quotes you wrote, knowledge is knowing, wisdom is doing. Now... You could have said anything. I'm so intrigued by that quote and what that means to you. Yeah, I think it's a a nice quote for taking responsibility for your own life. I feel like when I learnt that kind of quote, I think it was a hybrid of a few different quotes and I sort of mashed it together because I feel like so many of us are really knowledgeable. So many of us know the healthy food we should eat, the sunlight we should get each day, the exercise we should be getting. But are we actually doing it? And I feel like it's just a really good reminder to sit at the back of your own head to keep yourself accountable, to go, mm, all right, I know all these healthy things that I should do for myself, but am I actually doing them? And yeah, it's just a quote that I've been trying to live by. It's a quote that I teach in the workshops that I run and try and just inspire people to take that personal responsibility. And that's what I think that quote really means to me. Mm, take that action, I guess. It's funny, one of my mentors, Ryan, on the Gold Coast, he says, um, when people say knowledge is power, but he goes, no, knowledge is potential power. Mm. It's, not, it's not power until you actually do something with that knowledge. And as you're talking about all those simple things that we should be doing daily, but people know they should do them, but they don't actually do them. It's so simple that it's hard. Well, that's the thing. I feel like yeah. so many of us know this stuff and don't do it. And that's where you just really feel insecure about yourself and you feel guilty and you feel unsure of kind of the life you're living because you're like oh is this really living up to kind of what my potential is I know that if I'm doing all these things I could be here but the way that I'm living doesn't live up to the healthy stuff that I know I should be doing so I just feel like when you have that quote and you once you really start to live by it it makes you yeah feel like you're more aligned I feel like when you're not doing the stuff that you know you can do you feel like you're not living to your potential and that's where I feel like a lot of mental health issues come in because It's so funny nowadays, everything's all about mental health awareness, mental health awareness, and I work in the mental health space, and I feel like the time for awareness is over. It's time for action. It's time to actually do these things that we talk about. We all get told, have these conversations with your friends, meditate, practice ice baths every day, 
but we're not actually doing it. So it's time for action. And I think that quote for me is all about action. It's about going, okay, we're all knowledgeable, but let's be wise now and actually do this stuff, which is why I'm so inspired by the work you do now and trying to get people to do action, to get into mm. their fitness, to get into their health and to take that responsibility. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And obviously you work in the mental health space. Um, you know, being happy is, is an interesting concept, right? And, and what happy happiness means to is, is a different meaning from so many different people. Mm. For me, I find a lot of the time my, my happiness is tied to progressing, being able to progress in the areas of different, different areas of my life. I find when I'm not progressing, I do struggle to enjoy that thing as much Mm -hmm. for you. Um, you mentioned a few things just there about like about, you know, doing certain things in your life that, you know, are good for you and, and feeling good about doing them. And you mentioned when you don't do that stuff, that's when the mental health problems can kick in. Mm. What are your thoughts on progression and how that works and, and, and how that, you know, contributes to your happiness and, and mental well-being? Yeah, I think always having goals and working towards something is what life's all about. I feel like if we're not striving towards something, you can get a bit lost. There's not really, it's like pulling a arrow back, but not having a target to shoot towards when you're doing that, it gets a bit hard. You don't feel like you're going anywhere. So I feel like having those goals and taking the steps towards it every day is something we should all be doing. And I feel like a lot of people are just kind of mindlessly going through life and not really working towards something. And that's where you do get really lost. Mm, For sure. For sure. And for the, for the audience to know, um, obviously we dive straight into it. If you could just explain a little bit about you, um, you know, things of the things like being a pro surfer and a bit about your backstory. And you mentioned that you're in the mental health space now. I'd love for you to yeah dive in how you got into that um, and what you're doing now. Yes, yeah, so I, as you said, used to be a professional surfer. I grew up in Sydney, had a pretty amazing junior career, got to travel the world, represent the country many times um, as a junior, and then moved on to the international tour at about 20 years old. And yeah, traveled from 20 to 28 all around the world to Europe, Africa, Asia, and got to compete at the highest level of surfing, which was super special. And I learned so many amazing things. But along that journey, I'd had I wouldn't say issues with mental illness, but I'd had some family history with mental illness. I lost an uncle to suicide, watched my dad struggle quite a bit. So I was always very aware that mental health might be something that I need to be kind of aware of throughout my journey, never with any intention of working in the mental health space. And then my younger sister lost two friends in a fortnight to suicide. And when that happened, I was just like, I can't sit around and do nothing about this. I've been Mm. so lucky and learned all these really valuable lessons. And the lessons that I'd learned had come from reading so many different self-development books out of fear of running into a mental health issue myself. So through reading these books, I started to pick up all these skills. And I'm like, why do we not get taught this at school? There's all these quite simple things to do. Once again, knowledge is knowing, wisdom is actually doing. It's about trying to find these different things in life that can help you like I love this saying of like, don't just go through life, grow through life. You Mm. want to always be trying to level up and find new things that make you better. And that's what I started to realize through reading these different books. There's so many invaluable lessons that we can learn if we're open to changing our perspective, if we're we're open to unlearning the sort of self-beliefs that we've been taught by our parents, by our local communities where we grow up. Like we're so insulated that once we start to expand our knowledge, we can learn so much. And I'd learned all this amazing stuff. And then when my sister lost this second friend to suicide, I was like all right, maybe I can go and talk to some kids about it. Maybe I can try and share with them my story and teach them a couple of these little lessons and techniques that I've learned along my journey. And yeah, that was four years ago now. Now it's turned into my full-time gig. I've retired from surfing and now I travel around the country speaking at high schools, speaking with corporate groups and sharing my stories, some different scientific techniques and different ways that we can implement into our life and just trying to get people to take action and realize mental health and mental illness is two kind of separate topics. Mental illness is the one that most of us think mental health is. We hear mental health and people straight away go, oh, depression, anxiety, suicide. But the way I look at it now is mental health is our whole life. Mental illness is this thing that affects 20% of us. So if more of us are taking care Mm. of our mental health, then less of us have mental illness. Mm, For sure. And obviously that whole conversation around like labeling and actually defining yourself as being mentally ill is a really dangerous place to start as well because there's a difference between being depressed and feeling depressed, Mm. right? And a lot of us feel depressed. We all have moments where we feel depressed, we feel anxious, but labeling yourself and saying, I am depressed, I have anxiety, is a really dangerous place to start, would you agree? Because I feel like 
when we label our stuff, we're telling ourselves that's what we are. Absolutely. Once yeah. you start telling yourself, I'm depressed, it's like a very slippery slope to keep following that path. And then you go to a GP, you tell them I'm depressed. And quite often and having my own podcast, I hear this story time and time again. It's straight away, oh, here, yeah, you're depressed. Take this pill. And then people end up numbing the depression, but kind of numbing every part of their life. Mm. So for me, it's about, okay, if you feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm depressed, I'm in a pretty bad spot, doing a bit of an audit of your life. Okay, what's my health habits like? Am I getting enough sleep? Am I drinking enough water? What are my relationships like? Am I communicating with my friends when I'm struggling? Am I talking through stuff? What are my finances like? Am I making sure I'm not running out of money every week and gambling and spending money out partying? Once we start to look at our overall life and realizing, oh yeah, there's probably a few things out of balance. Once you get all of them in balance, if you're still feeling depressed, mm -hmm. then absolutely I think this um, the pharmaceutical route is important for a lot of people. But so many are getting straight on that route before they start talking to their friends, before they get their health in order, before they get their finances, their relationships in order. So I think we kind of label ourselves as depressed, but it's usually just because a certain situation in our life is a bit out of balance. Mm. There's also friction to doing a lot of those things that you're labeling, that you're, you're saying as well, which, <clears throat> you know, when you talk about these band-aids of, of, you know, taking certain medication and things of that nature, which sort of not only numbs the feeling of depression, numbs your feelings overall, right? Mm. It's a band-aid. It's easy. It's like, okay, I'm feeling this way. I'm just going to do this thing because that's the normal and I'm not going to get bullied for that because that's the normal thing to do. That's what I should do. That's what I'm being told to do. But then when you kind of do a self-assessment of your life and you assess where it's at like today and you go, okay, how is my relationships? How is my health going? What am I putting inside my body fuel-wise, food? What am I doing in that front? Am I training physically? Am I getting the heart rate up enough? Am I walking? Am I educating? Am I learning and growing so that then I can feel good about that progression? Exactly. All of these things is a lot harder in a sense than lying in bed and saying, I am depressed. Mm. And so there's this hectic amount of friction between getting better and their eyes is it's almost like the the things in even in the states nowadays about injections of losing weight and That's these crazy. horrible things that are you know so bad the whole goal is to be able to reprogram and fix our habits and what we're doing on mm -hmm. a day-to-day -day and creating a new norm for us right and if we can do that then that's when things start to progress in our life if we can just say okay i'm going to try and i don't train at all right now and talk about atomic habits james clear it's like all right i'm going to try and commit to 10 minutes of walking a day mm. It's like once you're out there, you're probably going to do more than 10 minutes, but yeah. you've only committed to 10, right? And so trying to incorporate those little things into your life. I want to ask you a bit more about those workshops that you're doing. And, you know, in, in those workshops, your goal is obviously say, say that they rank, you give them a rank at the start of the workshop, how they feel from one to 10. Yeah. And then your goal is to make them feel better than what they did afterwards. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you could probably explain that a bit better, but you talk about, you know, turning them from a, a three to a six or like a six to a nine and taking them on this, on this journey. How have you found obviously through that surveying that you've done in, in these workshops, like how have you found the main things that move the needle in those workshops that, that really make people feel better after listening to you speak? I think it's just the shift of perspective. Like that's the biggest thing for me. I want people to leave my workshops going, oh, okay, mental health is this, mental illness is this. I might not relate to mental illness, but I do have mental health. So what are the actionable things that I can add? And as I said before, I want people to leave my workshop going, oh, this it wasn't a mental health awareness workshop where, okay, if I'm struggling, I know now I can speak up and these are the great resources I can use. It's about, okay, now I've got tangible habits that might take me a minute or two, but I have to take responsibility and add them into my life. So for me, it's about a big perspective shift. Like I talk in my keynote that I deliver quite often about the fact that I used to base so much of my self-worth and my identity was all about external validation. What other people thought of me was what I thought of myself. I cared so much what everyone else thought that if I was failing in my surf contest, that I felt like people were judging me, mm -hmm. so I judged myself. And it was just such a toxic way to live on this roller coaster of, okay, I do well in a surf comp, I feel like I'm the hero. I do poor, I feel like I'm the victim. And it just wasn't healthy. And then I kind of got a great lesson and got told to try and understand what your personal values are. And then that's what I share in my keynote, trying to share with people, okay, start to understand what your values are. And then that gives you a clear direction that you're heading. And it gives you kind of an angle 
I like to think like, it's like, imagine you've got a compass. You can't ever get north, but you can always head north. And if you don't have values, you're kind of going anywhere and you don't mm. really know where you're going. Your decisions are swayed by what other people are saying and what other people are thinking. Once you get your values in order, they can kind of guide you in the direction that you want to go and your decisions can be based around those values rather than what other people are thinking of you. So my main thing when people come to my workshop, I hope they leave with a bit of a shift in perspective and with some tools to actually implement. And like you kind of touched on my data, I say to people, um, how'd you feel before the workshop? How'd you feel after? And the average after like 500 surveyed people over the last couple of months is average entering is 5.6 out of 10 and the average leaving is like 8.4 out of 10. So there's like a 28% increase in people's mood directly just after my workshop. And then I asked, ask, did you learn something new about mental health? And I think it's like 96% of people say they learned something new about mental health. Mm. 94% said they'll use one of the skills that they learned moving forward. So it's about just giving people those tangible outcomes and giving them hope and going like, it's not this big, scary topic, mental health. It's something we all have. So we don't need to be scared of it. It's something that we need to take responsibility for and go, okay, even if I'm sitting at a seven out of 10, doesn't mean I don't have to try and meditate and let myself get down to a four before I do something. It's like, no, let's maintain. Mental health is all about maintenance. Mm, Yeah. And in your workshops, do you ever talk about anything like, do you ever talk about case studies and different people that have gone through really challenging times or things of that nature? The reason I ask this is because I find everything's relative, right? Your problems are are relative to what you're comparing them to. Mm. And when you've experienced or heard about someone that's gone through something way worse than you, it puts your shitty little problem into perspective, right? Mm. I feel like perspective is so powerful because obviously we talk about, you know, um, like comparison and the thief of all joy of, of, of comparing yourself to others. And I think it's really draining for yourself to compare yourself, but equally it can be a really powerful tool to, for gratitude and make you feel really good about yourself. Because at the same time, like if you're going through something shit and then you go, at least I'm not on the front line. Like at least I'm not getting dodging bullets right now. Yeah. It starts to make your little problem about your food coming out of the cafe cold a little bit, a little bit better. Right. Yeah. Um, do you talk about anything like that in the workshops or is that something that you preach as well? I mean, I try not to talk about anything too negative at all in my workshop. I feel like so many people when they come to talk about mental health share like a suicide survivor story or something along those lines, which I think is really important to show where you can get when it comes to mental illness. But I try and come from a more positive, mm. hopeful light. So one of the things I do talk about is empathy. And one of the main things, well, I talk about three little categories with empathy. The first is listening. Like so many of us, need to get better at listening. We get taught at school how important it is to read and write, but we very rarely get taught the importance of speaking and listening. And we do them way more than we read and write. And they're skills. You've got to get better at them. So one of the things I teach when it comes to listening is just this quote that I love, and it says, listen, don't just wait to talk. Mm. And it's all these little things that I just have at the back of my head that are little reminders that I just love to throw out to audiences to go, maybe that will work for you. Next time you're having a conversation with someone and you catch yourself daydreaming, remember that quote, am I listening or am I just waiting to talk? Mm. So that's, I think, really important when it comes to empathy. But then I also talk about respecting others' feelings and emotions because like you were just saying, it's all relative. Something that might be a really small challenge to you because you've gone through it a bunch of times, someone else might be going through the exact same thing and for them it's massive. So trying to stop and when you don't agree with someone or the way they're acting going, I wonder why they're feeling this way. They've probably had a very different upbringing a very different life up to this point than I have. So as much as I might not agree with what they're doing, I'll at least try and understand. So yeah, that's, I don't know. I think empathy is just something we can all get better at and kind of open our perspective to like, there's no right or wrong way to kind of do anything. That's just the way that we do it and the way other people are doing it. Yeah. And and I, I really love that approach too as well. And, and the reason for that too is because you're not dreading on the down, you're just focusing on all the good and, and not trying to talk on the down to put things into perspective just more so talk on the good so people start to feel that gratitude and feel that Mm. belief that everything's sort of it can get better and i really love that focus because so often we see people there's a hundred things 99 good one bad and people just focus on the bad and it's i think it's in our nature to Mm. do that and drama is such a thing that people love and there's so much good but we somehow just focus on the bad. We can be walking down to the beach today and it's a little bit cloudy, and but we're in Bondi Beach, the most known beach in the, in the world, and we're catching up as really good mates and it's been ages and we could be like, oh shit, it's about to rain. Mm. 
But instead we go, oh shit, this is going to be really good running weather because the sun's, it's not out, it's not going to be as hot. Yeah. Perspective switch, focusing on all the good that we have, the glass half full or half empty, that sort of conversation is really important. And that's what gratitude's all about. Like I always got told as a kid, my dad always said to me, appreciation, not expectation, appreciation, not expectation. And as a kid, I didn't really know what he meant. I always thought he was just a scab and didn't like to buy me stuff and was just like, just be appreciative of what you got, mate. Mm. Not expectation. But now I know he's just teaching me gratitude to focus my thoughts and energy on the things I've already got, the good stuff, rather than the things I don't have. Because we're always going to be, no matter how rich, famous, anything you are, you can always have bigger. You can always have better. You can always have more. But the real trick in life is when you can start to focus your thoughts and energy on the stuff you've already got Mm. and make that flood your mind. Like, wow, I've got so much rather than... I don't have so much because we can always have way more. So it's like when you can focus on what you've already got, it's a way better way to live. Yeah. And the problem with expectation as well, right, is if you, if the reality doesn't meet the expectation, the gap in between that's disappointment. Mm. And so if you've got an expectation on something and the reality doesn't meet it, you're a hundred percent of the time going to be disappointed. Exactly. So if you don't have expectations or your expectations are really low, the reality doesn't need to do much for you to be impressed. Exactly. And when you tie that into enjoying life and and having that gratitude but then also just being in a good place mentally when you set all of these expectations all the way up here geez they're hard to follow through on which Mm. means you're going to be disappointed which isn't a fun thing and when you said just before that quote about listen don't just wait to talk um that is like that's a that's a powerful quote Mm. because i think especially even in podcasting as well like we're having a conversation here right now and you know we can have notes and we can have things to talk about but the true authentic conversation is going to come from me being curious and wanting to know more about the things that you you're saying right and i think that's just yeah it's really powerful i've wrote down another quote here that you you mentioned to me as well you said the act of confidence comes before the feeling of confidence the act of confidence comes before the feeling of confidence Talk to me about that one. I love that quote. It's something that I learned a couple of years ago. I did um, a training camp for surfing in the Olympics and we had a bunch of different speakers come in and talk to us just about a whole range of things. And one of the surfers, this guy, Dean Morrison, told us this story about oh, surfing big waves and someone asked like, oh, how do you throw yourself over the ledge? And he's like, I just use this quote, the act of confidence comes before the feeling. So I paddle, throw myself over the ledge and then the feeling generally comes once I'm on the wave riding it. If I let the fear overtake me and I didn't feel confident, then I wouldn't paddle as, but I mean, I wouldn't paddle as hard and I wouldn't get into the wave, and then I'd probably have more chance of falling. So then I was like, okay, how can I apply this into different parts of my life? And then I read this book called The Confidence Gap by Dr. Russ Harris. Fascinating book. I got given it to me, given it by my sports psychologist, and I think the quotes like throughout that book, or a version of the quote is throughout that book, and it goes on to talk about the fact that we're all waiting for confidence to come, but it comes through the action. So it's almost like we wait for the act, for the feeling and then we do the act, but quite often the feeling doesn't come. So we don't even act. Mm. So I've kind of like flipped it. And the greatest thing for me is like when I get up on stage to speak in front of a big corporate group for Telstra or Apple or something where I'm like, I should be really shit scared to do it. But I'm like, you know what? The best chance of me making this the best I can do it is to go up there and own it. It's like kind of fake it till you make it, but not kind of. It's like, you know what? Prepare enough so you can get up there and just own it. And then most people will believe it if you Mm. can do it with conviction. And then once you're going through it, the feeling generally comes once you're sort of living up to it. Your body starts to be like, oh, yeah, this isn't that bad. Whereas if you just like let it consume you and think, oh, I'm not confident, then of course you're going to get up there and not be confident as well. So it's like a bit of a mental trick, but then also, yeah, eventually the body starts to just own it. Yeah, confidence is such an interesting thing. There's a quote that comes to mind straight away from Alex Hormozzi, and he talks about, he says, you don't gain confidence by shouting affirmations in the mirror. You gain confidence by stacking undeniable proofs that you are who you say you are. Mm. Outwork your self-doubt. And that ties in really well to what you're talking about with jumping up on stage. And when you talk about your very first ever um, show whatever the first ever public speaking gig and you know you're referring back to the board all the time and and it's like that it's going to be very hard for you to be 
extremely confident in that you can fake it till you make it to some degree but you haven't got any reps in you haven't Mm. stacked all of these proofs that you are who you say you are so you've got this imposter syndrome in you as well because you're questioning like who am i to be up here and and yeah, the confidence comes by the getting those reps in and the more and more times you do it, the more and more podcasts you film, the more and more you get on stage, the more and more you work on your communication skills, the more confident you're going to become, right? Um, but yeah, we, 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 just, we just spoke about imposter syndrome. You being a pro surfer, probably, you know, pro surfer, cool career, very cool thing to speak about. And then going into this public speaking space where you're talking about mental health and speaking in front of all these people, especially going into corporates where all of these guys are making a bunch of money in a corporate gig wearing a suit and you're coming in, um, you know, talking about mental health. Is imposter syndrome been a big thing for you? Have you, have you struggled with that? Oh, it's been massive. I mean, starting a business without any knowledge about business, really. I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty clued on person, but I've always been like, Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Just winged it the whole way, to be honest. But my whole thing with imposter syndrome, when I go and do my talks, I definitely feel like, oh, who am I to come and speak about mental health? I don't have a um, mental health degree from uni. I haven't done too much study in the area. I mean, I've interviewed hundreds of people now who are experts in mental health. I've read hundreds of books around it. I've listened to so many podcasts and immersed myself in knowledge. So I feel like I definitely have a lot of knowledge, but it's still always when I'm getting up on stage, I'm like so scared of getting asked like, oh, what's your education in this? And then having to try and explain it. But now the thing that's really helped me with imposter syndrome, and I wish I did this from earlier on, is taking feedback from my workshops. When I do my keynotes, when I do my podcast, I try and get as much feedback as possible and then use that feedback to improve. But I've been lucky enough that a lot of the feedback, like we spoke on before, the 28% or whatever percent increase in people's mood when they leave my workshop, the 96% who said they learned something new, that feedback definitely silences the imposter syndrome a bit because there's undeniable evidence that it's actually working, even mm. though when you're up in your head, like, oh, I wonder if people are actually getting something out of this. That's where I feel like I had a lot of imposter syndrome at the start. But as I like kind of get more into the business, but then it's kind of, I love this quote as well, like another level, another devil is as my business is growing, I'm like, get imposter syndrome again. Like who am, how am I going to scale a business? How is it like imposter syndrome of having a staff member working for me now? I'm like, what the hell? Like I've got someone who works for me, like who's helped me with the business. Like I need to make sure I've got cash flow. Like I'm, I'm not a business guy. Like I don't know what I'm doing. So like it keeps coming and going imposter syndrome, but I've just learned that yeah, if not you, then who? If mm. like everyone feels imposter syndrome the first time they're doing something, like the first time anyone does something is the first time they've done it. So you can't expect to feel really good at something the first time you're doing it. Anyone who's really good at something had to do it the first time at some stage. Mm. 100% agree. I took me so long to start posting content, like really to be honest, I was putting it off for so long and posting that first video is always the hardest, right? Just getting your, getting yourself out there. And then my, my mentor said this one thing to me and, and it, it shot my imposter syndrome in the foot and it literally was the thing that allowed me to post and share my message and quite literally f- fulfill such a meaningful career now. And he said, you don't need to be the best at what you're teaching. You just need to be three steps ahead of the people that you're teaching. And when I heard that, I just go, holy shit. 
Like we all have gone through some extreme challenges in our life. We've all gone through hard times and we've overcame them. We've made out the other side. There are people right now, thousands of people all around the world that are going through the same challenges that you were going through and they would love to know how you get got out the other side. Mm. But here you are selfishly not putting your message out there because you think that you're not good enough. Mm. You don't need to be the best at what you're teaching. You just need to be three steps ahead of the people that you're teaching. And when you understand that, you go, not only am I going to be able to put my message out there and help the world, but equally, I'm going to resonate with those people way more than the people that are all the way up here, the professionals. Because the people that are the top dogs and the professionals in here, some little person that is struggling through a thing that they, they're in their head about, it's not a big problem for people. It's just, I'm really challenged at the moment. They're going to look at that and go, oh, he's so far away. Whereas if you're only three steps ahead, you're in arm reach of them. They can, mm. they can see you. They, can like, they feel like they can grab onto you. You're like just, a, just an mm. arm reach away. And that's really powerful because you're going to be the one that's going to be able to get them out of the mud. And by you stopping yourself and having that imposter syndrome, it's stopping you from doing good to the world. And it also allows you to continually wanting to learn yourself. When you're already at the very top of the totem, it makes it very hard to be motivated to continually learn, to continually find new things that work for you. You feel like you've kind of got to where you need to be. Whereas that's where we come back to the journey that we we're talking about before, always having that quest to find new stuff so then you can share more stuff. And the more that you can learn, then you've got these people who are willing to listen to the stuff you learn. That's what I love with what I do. And by doing the podcast, just always being curious, okay, what more can I learn, integrate it into my life, and then learn how to output it in a way that people can digest it. Because quite often a lot of the people who are quite elite in the world of self-development and stuff are talking about such big complex topics that is hard for people to digest. And that's where with the work I'm doing right now in mental health, like I'm not trying to be the expert. I'm just trying to connect curious minds with simple strategies that I've learned and then point them in direction if they want to go deeper into it. With what I'm doing with the Good Human Factory, I want to be the first step for people's mental health journey. Oh, I don't really, I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. All right, come join our community, learn about gratitude, learn about mindfulness, learn about meditation, learn about empathy, learn about taking responsibility. And then that sets you on your path to find more. But a lot of people feel mm. a bit lost on where to start. And like you said, it's not about being miles ahead and having like the whole thing of information for people to find. It's about, okay, let's be the starting point to spark that curiosity, to spark that like desire to be better. And yeah, I feel like that's what I'm sort of trying to do as well. Just be those couple steps ahead, always immerse myself in learning, be vulnerable and share when I don't know stuff and then be willing to learn it. Mm. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. Having that ability to learn something and then teach that learning to a big motivator for me when I learn something new is I go, Oh fuck yes. I can now go teach that. And it's this cycle. Mm. And then when you throw the, when you think about like how that go, how that goes and where's the inspiration come to, to, to learn, you go, when the people that you've just teached say that you've helped them or you've inspired them, if you're inspiring people, that's the most inspiring thing for you to keep going. Like, it's yeah. like this loop. It's an inspiration snowball mm. that will just keep standing the test of time because the more you inspire, the more you're inspired to keep doing it. Uh, yeah. And it kind of creates this like, Thing that will just keep going and going and going. Yeah, I feel so privileged and lucky to have sort of learnt that lesson at a young age of, well, I guess, in my mid-20s on how good it feels to help others, on how important service is to others. And that's where I get so much of my purpose out of now is knowing that the work I'm doing is helping other people. I see a lot of people in jobs that aren't really doing anything that's helping the greater good of the world. And I feel like a lot of not mental health issues just but a lot of like insecurities and sort of people just feeling unsettled come from having not much purpose in life and I feel I got taught I read this book I think it's called The Mountain Is You by Brianna Weiss and I don't even know if this lesson was from that but it's like we climb these sort of two mountains in life you climb the first one it's sort of like doing for you and trying to so I see my surf career as that all my coaches, all my family, all my sponsors, everyone was trying to support me to get to the top of this mountain I was kind of the one who really mm. mattered and then, I mean, not that I got to the top of surfing. I feel like I got to top 100 surfers for 10 years, which is pretty good looking back. I could either look back and be like, oh, I didn't make it. Or I can be like, oh, I'm grateful I got to where I was. But I feel like I got to the top of that mountain. I'm like, mm, this isn't really all it's made out to be. And then you look across and there's a taller mountain and that's a mountain of service. 
that doesn't really ever end that you can keep giving back to people. So I kind of got to, instead of going to rock bottom after surfing and then reclimb, I kind of built a bit of a bridge straight across and used the network, used the knowledge I'd learned through surfing and the community I'd built to then pass on this new knowledge I'm starting to learn around mental health and trying to shift perspectives and show people that. And yeah, ever since I've been climbing that second mountain of giving back, like the messages which you'd get as well that I get from people about either the podcast, my workshops, my merch, my community that I've built, it's just crazy the impact that you can have on someone's life by just having a conversation and to know that, yeah, people's lives are improving by a lot because of different words that I get the same, different conversations I have. It's just so special. Yeah. The, the messages of the biggest, you know, one of the processes I take people through when like finding their, when we're trying to get really clear and find like what matters in their life and what their purpose actually is in life. One of the things I, I ask is like, what are your biggest sources of income? And people automatically think money, right? But it's much more than that because we're getting incomes in our life all day, you know, from different things. And the biggest income for me, which I don't think money could ever overtake, is the income of from my teaching, from people actually coming to me and thanking me. And, you know, when you get stopped on the street and they just give you a big hug and say, thank you for being you, like all of these little things, the messages daily, that income is far bigger than any money could ever do to me because that thing is what keeps me going that spins the wheel the money's unlocking the life that i want to live but truly like making that impact is is so important for me i think i think that is what gives me this spark in me which then attracts people in my life and you know the people around me are gravitated towards me more i can start to level up me by having that spark and then by leveling up me everyone else around me levels up as well. Absolutely. You know, on that, on that topic of relationships and, and having a really good crew of people around you, I find that, you know, I really want to have an open conversation with you about friend groups and changing friend groups specifically. Can we so, go back to that? I just want to quickly talk yeah. to you about what you were saying, this idea of doing good is more important than making money. And I feel like so many people get it around the wrong way. I was having a conversation with about with someone about this recently that a lot of people work super hard to make money and then almost feel guilty that they've made this money and then try and do philanthropic things and build stuff to like feel less guilt mm-hmm. about being so about themselves for so long. But I feel like the real trick and the real like hacking life is if you can work out a way to really help people and then monetize it rather than the other way around. Most people like make money and then try and use that money to help people and get the sort of feel good about themselves for it. But when you can help people and then work out a way to turn it into a business, like mm. I feel like that's a real trick in life. It definitely, it definitely is. But what's really interesting is, is like the, the negative effects of being too altruistic mm. and too giving. You've got to have, you've got to have a bit of, You've got to kind of, if you're too altruistic in business. You've got to have that awareness that you need to make money to be able to maintain that. But then equally, like when you're too altruistic, you, you kind of are pushing it away a little bit. Mm. It's like, I get giving good, but there's so much other things that you can do good for the world than just give money, right? Exactly. And the problem with being too altruistic and just give, 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 give is you're kind of pushing this away. And Mm. anyone that does really, really well in business they don't that like they overcome that barrier of just being because you kind of get in your head a little bit of like who am I to be making this money? I just need to give it away. Yeah, exactly. And you've told me you've struggled with things like that as well, just being like charging money and and like like just in terms of like really wanting to give first. It's amazing, and I think it's so good for the world. But I also find there's a lot of value in fair exchange and and charging people for it and and being remunerated and feeling good about yourself for doing that in exchange for something. Um, It certainly is really powerful. But yes, impact first and let the money flow. Exactly. Like if you can just focus on impact, if you've got a roof over your head, you can look after it, you can live a, a, a good life and that's all covered. Like you've got to focus on impact because the money's only going to do so much. Mm. And I guess for me, like the actual journey of entrepreneurship and building business is something I actually really love. It's, it's, it's separate from money for me. Like Mm. the actual creation of businesses I'm really obsessed with and being out of like proper business with software and stuff recently, I'm getting this spark in me that I really want to pick something back up again. Um, and that's why I'm working, workshopping new ideas as we speak. But I find that like 
the money and the entrepreneurship is two different things for me. Yeah. Um, and that, that journey of creating the money is something I something. absolutely love, mm. um, which isn't for everyone, you know? Um, it's just a big game. I find like the money making side of life is just like a big game. Like there's so many ways to make money and we get such a fixed mindset after mm. school that it's like, this is kind of how you make money. This is a life. And then you go, okay, or I can build my own business, be an entrepreneur and there's no ceiling. But 90% of, 99% of businesses are going to fail. Whereas if you go get a job, like they try and teach you at school, you're going to probably be employed and you'll be fine. So it's like they're trying not to lead us into probable failure, but then there's also not that opportunity to have like a big win. So mm. it's like, I don't know. But, but then also the thing is, is like the buzzword of entrepreneur. Mm. It's such a buzzword. It's like a, what even like it's overused, it's misused. Mm. It's this weird word now, right? Yeah. One of my mentors, Lewis Smocker, who's, uh, he lives on the Gold Coast. He um, made a YouTube video a few weeks ago and he was explaining how a couple of years ago he had entrepreneur in his bio um, and he took it out. And he's, he, he, it, the reason for that is because he thought about it and he goes, I'm not actually an entrepreneur. The whole thing around business, employees, and, and all of this stuff, he's like, I don't want any of that shit. He's like, I want a fat bank account and an empty schedule. He's like, that's me. He's like, I want to be able to do any, I, I want to have no commitments and a fat bank account. So how can I do that? So he's optimized his life for that. And that's what he does. And he's like, yeah, I, I, we went out for a bougie lunch every single day this year. And he's like, that's what we love to do. And he, and I made $3 million. He's like, that's what I love to do. And so it's so amazing that people can do that and teach the lessons to be able to live a life like that. For me, I have this little bit of spark. Um, what I was trying to go at just before yeah, was talking about relationships. Cause groups. I really think it's really important with friend groups. And I want to have an open conversation about, how your experience with friend groups and if they've changed a lot, because for me, I've found, you know, as I've changed cities and moved around a lot as well, but equally, even in the same cities, I've found my friend groups change a lot. Mm. And that period in which when they're changing can be a little bit challenging. And I find that they do move. Like we've got a lot of mutuals as well, where I used to be a lot closer with some of them yet, not as much anymore. For you with friend groups growing up and where you're at now, have you found them change a lot? Have you found that you've had a really solid core group that have stuck there the whole time? No, I've been massive changing. Like, I mean, not friends with a single person who I went with to school with anymore. At school, I kind of, no one in my school, like year at school, like surfed with me. So I was like mates with all the boys from another school. So I'd surf with them. And then when school finished, I kind of would hang out with my beach friends a bit more, but then I also had like my pro surf friends who I'd travel the world with. So I had all these different like groups of people like all around the world that were my good friends. And then like where I grew up in Narrabeen and now I'm out of the surf community, I'm starting to realize that I wasn't, I don't know, I didn't, didn't not fit into the surf world, but now that I'm out of it, I'm like, oh my God, there's so many more people who are more aligned with who I am to a soul level. So once I moved to the Gold Coast, it was a massive change for me. I moved from um, Sydney to Byron in May 2020 when COVID in hit. In the temple? Yeah, in the temple. That yeah. was good fun, which was cool. <laughs> I started to like get a bit more in touch with myself a bit more and started to realize, oh, I don't have to just be friends with surfers or just be friends with people from Narrabeen where I grew up. There's all these other people in the world who have different views on the world and are going in different parts of life with their business and everything else. So I started to expand a bit there. And then once I moved to the Gold Coast, I started to meet this um, just group of basically extreme sport athletes from guys like Harley Clifford, eight-time world champ wakeboarder, Corey Tunison's four-time current world champ, Harry Bink, motocross world champ, like all these different athletes. And I was like, oh, these are my people because... Not only were they the top of their sport, which is cool, but they're all really good humans. They all had like really good hearts and would talk about the same stuff, would view the world through a similar thing. And all of them were curious. When we talk to each other, it's always about ideas, about going on the trips and making like cool content. It's always positive and ideas. And not once have I had a conversation with any of them about like drama or about someone else's life or about something negative. And I didn't realize until I'd found people that were like that, that there was people like that out there. So now I'm just really conscious of the sort of people I hang around, what sort of energy I'm getting from them and trying to make sure I'm around the people who actually fill my cup and people who I can have those conversations with and who have those interests similar to me. It's so fascinating. And you were talking about how you used to hang out with a lot of surfers and you know, you weren't as close with the school friends, but you're close with the surfing community. It relates very well to 
why people lose their school friends, how you lost your surf friends is the same reason why people lose their school friends. And I have this concept of why friend groups change so quickly, especially from school or from a community that you're all coming together on a particular topic. Mm -hmm. So when you're in school, actually we'll talk about the surfing one, for example, when you're friends with all the surfers and you guys merged and came together on one thing, which was surfing. And so you guys started relating on a lot of things surfing related. You started getting along and talking about surfing and everything was kind of around surfing. And the problem with that is it's not as much about you. It's about the thing that you guys are aligned with. Mm. So then when you leave that surfing community, you don't relate to them as much on that thing because they're in it still and in and amongst it maybe. And all of the time that relationship was built around that thing, mm. not around you and them. Right. Yeah. And so when that kind of, you step away from that, you realize as people, we actually aren't really as aligned. Mm. We had this mask of surf surfing over ourselves, which was basically taping our relationship together. Yeah. And then you kind of take it away and realize that you to sit in front of each other without surfing related and actually talk, you know, there's not as many similarities. Yeah. And then when you tie that with school as well, when you're in school, it's forced time spent with each other. You're spending eight hours every single day with a group of 30 people or whatever in a classroom. You don't have any options. Yeah. You better make friends or you're going to be lonely. Yeah. But how do you make friends with these people at school, even though you're in the options? You relate on the same shitty PE teacher you have, that same sub teacher that's annoying, the assignments you have to do, the speaks in front of the classes, the sport class, the lunchtime breaks, the drama, the girlfriends. You relate on all of these things within school and then you leave school and take away all of those relatabilities and you're forced to spend time with you two, just like the mm. surfing. And then you realize, hang on, we're actually not really alike. Yeah. And then you go out to the real world and realize that there's all these other characters. There's way more people that are aligned with you. So then you go, oh, this guy's so good. This girl's great. I didn't believe girls like that even existed. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I'm drawn to that. You yeah. might get in a relationship that might pull you away from those people. You learn a lot from that relationship. Maybe go through a pretty insane breakup after school. And then that makes you learn a lot more about yourself and what you want and what you don't want. And you travel and you go, oh, there's a whole rest of the world out yeah. there. Like, oh, Australia is just this really to the rest of the world, this tropical island down the bottom. That yeah. It's just like Puts so in perspective. Yeah, And you're just like, oh, okay. So, and I always look back at school and go like the chance of, like I see people who like get married to someone they go to school with them like wow the the chances of your soulmate by chance going yeah. to just your school in those 30 people is like so gnarly and like you said the insulation of your friendship group is only the mm. couple people who go to your school like the chance of those really being your aligned people is so so slim and then the comfortability of being in that relationship from a young age and not knowing any better forces you to like makes you just want to stay in it mm. even though you know you could probably get better mm. like if you had friends or someone that's you know been in a relationship since 15 or something and then all of a sudden they get seven years down the line and they're like okay we either break up or get married that's one of the two and yeah. i don't want to break up because i've been with you for my whole life i'm yeah. like like i've done yeah, everything with you yeah and then that's, but it's a scary conversation. But right? then you see beautiful couples who are 100%. still together from there. So it's a bit of a 100%. catch 22. And it's just more so, I think, for people who maybe feel just that unease or something that isn't right, it's probably because there is more out there for you. There's so much life and world out there to explore that quite often we get trapped in. Like, I see so many people not. And, and I get it is a privilege to be able to travel, but so many people are willing to just spend their money on the weekend going out partying and not put some away and try and go explore the world, or even if it's just driving up the coast a little bit and going to explore a different part of Australia. Without doing that, you just don't really see what else is out there. And mm. I've just been so fortunate with my life. I've got to live traveling the world surfing to see so many different amazing cultures, people, experiences that's made me realize, oh, there's so much more than just this insulated part of the world in my community. I mean, I met my partner when I was in Portugal for a surf comp who now lives over here in Australia with me. Like once you start to expand your horizon, you start to realize there's so many more opportunities and stuff out there. Mm. How important are relationships to you in terms of like, like if you were to strip away a relationship, like how important are they for you? Like are they one of the most important things in your life? 
Oh, absolutely. I yeah. think our connection to other people is what makes life important. If you don't have solid relationships, you're alone, you feel lost and disconnected. I think we need to have relationships. Mm. And it's really sad to see that the numbers of people in relationships is dropping, but also the number of people having close friends is dropping. Like loneliness is such a crazy epidemic that is happening that we're not really it's not really a thing that gets talked about that much. And it's so important that we have the capacity to learn how to communicate better. Hence why I try and talk about this idea of empathy, learning how to listen properly. Like all of these things are just diminishing. Our attention span is diminishing. And quite often it's not our fault. It's the fault of the social media companies extracting our attention through all these new algorithms that just draw us in. But it is our responsibility to build awareness of this and then work out ways to fight back, which is having conversations like this and trying to encourage people to yeah, go sit down and put your phone away and actually connect with someone is something that is starting to diminish, but we have to start to recognize that and bring it back. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned just then though about it, it's maybe not our fault. And I, I think it's, it's interesting. And I always like to challenge that because I, I do really feel like, taking ownership on everything in our life is is so powerful and important because it's not our fault but it is our responsibility yeah yeah that's it's, it's a good distinction there for sure not our fault but responsibility it's it's like they've they're putting chocolates in the fridge but it's up to us if we want to eat it or not exactly um, and you know the more we can reduce our fridge having the chocolates in it, the easier it's going to be to, to stick to not eating them. But well, it's like some of the most highest paid neuroscientists human behavior specialists um all of these topics, psychologists are working for the biggest corporations in the world and their job is to create marketing that literally psychologically tricks you into saying you're insignificant without our product. Buy it. It'll make yeah. you feel good. Go on this holiday to Bali. That'll make you feel good. I'll give you the perfect example. Let's go to McDonald's and get a happy meal. It's like it's right in front of our faces and quite often it's psychologically happening without us knowing like down to the smallest things. Like I was speaking to a friend of mine um, who's quite high up in tech and he's like, if you go and look at WhatsApp in the background of your messages, there's all these subtle, happy images. And that's psychologically, you don't even notice that they're there. There's all like smileys and elephants and umbrellas and all these positive things that are really subtle in the background of your messages, which will subconsciously make you happier to be there, bring you back there. So all of these different companies are using all these psychological tricks to trick you to go there. But it's our responsibility to, for one, build the awareness that it's happening, but then also not be swayed by it, not take the chocolate out of the fridge. That is interesting i didn't even know about that and show you quickly keep uh, talking I'll yeah I, I didn't even know that with whatsapp so with whatsapp there's smiley faces and and all sorts of things going on that is Look absolutely in insane Look in the background photos oh my <laughs> gosh and that's all subliminal Every message you don't that's even know all it's there. subliminal so that is crazy that is so crazy you don't even know it's there octopuses and lips and djs and Oh my gosh. When I got told that, I was like, I've never noticed those motherfuckers. <laughs> oh my gosh. And but Think about how much it's happening in everything. The colors. Everything. That's what I mean. These neuroscientists and all these smart, smart people working for these corporations, their job is to do stuff like that. They create things that trick us into coming back more and to feeling okay with Even it. Even the most insane things like the like button and and like like that thing is... Uh, insane the 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 like button mm. the effect that the like button has had on yep. us alone Crazy. is is absolutely Crazy. insane and what are some things like like actively speaking here like how we can make sure that we can do the things to stop reaching in and grabbing that chocolate like what are these things that we can do is it the mindfulness is it all of these the, you talk about the i'd love you to break, to break down some of the things you're talking about with the dis, uh, 14 what do you uh oh, 14 habits full potential 14 habit. ha full potential habits like is it those things that are are gonna if we keep focusing on them is that gonna make us drawing to grab that chocolate less like what are the things that we can do to make sure that we're restricting ourselves from and going against these psychological tricks that all of the biggest companies in the world are doing to us well i think first one's just awareness that it's happening and then the second is just like routine and the habits that we do to fight back against it and i'm like a sucker for it too trying to like every now and then especially when i'm traveling i lose my routine so much like when i'm at home it's like okay I wake up, I don't go on my phone till seven in the morning, I'll do breath work, meditation, read my book, have my supplements before I get on my phone. But then as soon as I go away, it all just goes out the door and I wake up and scroll social media and I'm like, 
once we build these routines, it's such a solid way to fight back against that. But for me, I find it really difficult when I'm not at home and in routine. But then also having someone to keep you accountable. And that's why I'm so lucky having a partner who's super into keeping each other accountable. So we have like this full potential board where we have 14 habits that we try and do every single day. And I mean, the habits like breath work, meditation, um, taking our supplements, stretching, self-care, like putting on our moisturizers and cream before bed, um, what else is on there? 30 minutes of exercise a day, getting into nature, drinking three liters of water, communication as a couple. That's another big one, like actually having a conversation, not just sort of like fluffing through the day and just talking about surface level, having a real conversation. Um, what else is on there? Deep work? Or do you have I have work on there, but I got rid of work because I'm like, work's kind of a given. I like, I work every day anyway. Like my life is kind of my work. So this is more about these like habits that are for me habits that i want to do for me so then i have like mouth tape on there i have home cooking on there anyway there's 14 so what i worked out is 14 times by seven for the seven days of the week is 98 so i like to think of it like that's like trying to live up to 100 percent of your week 98 percent so then i keep myself accountable and every day at the end of the day me and my partner put a ticker across if we did that habit and by seeing it on the board, we go, okay, we want to get 14 out of 14 every day. But normally we get between like 10 to 12 a day and miss one or two. But then at the end of the week, you say, okay, I got 85 this week. How did I feel that week? Mm, not that good. Okay, the next week I got 92 and I felt a lot better. And just trying to see the correlation between how you're feeling in yourself and having that data as evidence rather than like, oh, I wonder like, did I do my, have I been sticking to those habits? By having the accountability of something in front of you to look at and a person to do it with has been such a big one for me because it's so easy just to drift aimlessly through life and kind of be like, oh, I should have worked out. Like I know all this stuff, but am I actually doing it? And that's where I feel like you start feeling really guilty is when you know really good stuff for you, but you're not doing it. That's where I start to feel my, like at my worst is when I know I'm not doing the things that I know are good for me. You spoke about how amazing it is having a partner there to hold you accountable. How have you gone relationship-wise in terms of romantic relationships in your upbringing? Have you always been in a relationship? Have you had a lot of periods where you were single? How how was that for you? I'd like a pretty long relationship, like right when I finished school for like two or three years, but traveling the world pro surfer, got a bit totsick. I was a pretty average human back then and kind of would travel would break up I'd hook up with girls and then come back and lie about and it was just like a toxic kind of relationship back then I yeah did some stuff I wasn't proud of and vice versa so did she so that was kind of one which set me up for a few years of being single and then I met a girl um, like this girl from America who came over and lived with me for a couple years which was kind of good. Same thing though, she kind of had to go back home. It wasn't really working. And then I was kind of single for a pretty big gap through the middle of my 20s and was just focused on my career, surfing, traveling, enjoying life. And then, yeah, I've met a new partner over the last couple of years when I was over in Brazil and I mean, over in Portugal and she's Brazilian and now lives over here in Australia with me and just so different to anyone I've met here. Very kind of connected to self, very open communication, very... Yeah, it's just different. And I feel like having a partner, for me, is something that I really love and something that I feel like is just great grounding for me, someone that I can just sort of talk to, someone who I can be there with and just someone who I can share life with is so important. So, I don't know, relationships are a hard one. Some people obviously really need to be in a relationship sometime and are single and are trying so hard to find someone, but I kind of got to a point where I just like would normally be that guy, would feel insecure if I didn't have a girlfriend. But then once my 20s kind of drifted on and I went three or four years without a relationship, I was like, you know what, it'll come when it comes. And then that's when I found my new partner. I feel like there's so much power in that as well because feeling full within yourself and everything else is a bonus is a really powerful place to be in because when you're reliant on a relationship to be full, that means it's like you're basically, say you're, you're a table and you've got four legs of the table if you're reliant on that relationship for you to be full, Mm. it's like that partner is one of the legs on the table. So you've got your table and then on top of the table, you have all of these plates and you've got your health, you've got your, your fitness, nutrition, your friends, your relationships, like family, all of the, your career and business, all of these plates on top. If you're not full with yourself and the table's strong and you make that partner a leg, technically at any point in time they can leave you which they can which means at any point in time you can be broken so if you were full and they were just a plate 
a plate would break on the top. That'd mm. be fine. But because you've made them a part of you, you're dependent on them. If they leave, you lose a leg. So not only does the table break you, but everything else on top come, comes crumbling down as well. I mean, yeah, codependency is crazy. Like, so crazy. And it happens so quickly quite often for a lot of people. So, I mean, for me, my partner moved from overseas and we moved straight in together. So we've never not lived together since being together. So it's, yeah, I mean, I'm lucky that I feel very comfortable in my relationship and super in love. So it's... I think it's so amazing. And, and I love that because... There's some relationships out there that take away from you and they mm. certainly make you a better, a worse person than you could be potential, mm. but there's real power when it's one plus one equals three and, and she brings more value to you by a mile and makes you a better person. And I think the power in that is you talk about the, you know, being held accountable and, and, you know, being able to spend that quality time with her and making sure that you're holding each other accountable to achieve the things to better yourself. Mm. That's powerful. That's really good. And it's well, just like communication. I mean, my partner's a bit older. She's in her late thirties and I'm just about to turn 30. So I've kind of, by having someone a bit older, I've learned so much just, and she was in a toxic relationship for a long time where she resented and held stuff in and she's like, I want to make a pact that we're always just open and honest and communicate. Hence why one of our things in our full potential um, habits is communication because I feel like, and it had been like that in so many relationships I'd been in, I'd just sort of like avoid those hard conversations mm. and fluff past stuff. But that's where it just builds up and turns into something super toxic and you become so reliant on the other person not sort of communicating with you so you can get through your day. Whereas once you can start being open and honest and having those chats and understanding where someone's feeling average. And if you are feeling average, bringing it up to them, or if you are resenting them about something, talk to them about it rather than letting it fester, fester, fester. And then mm. you just end up building this story in your head that quite often is even untrue, but it's like, you just haven't spoken to the person about it. Let them explain and go, Oh, okay. Now I see it from where you're coming from. Yeah, being really open and, and clear with each other and obviously not letting those little things bottle up is so important, mm. right? I think that ties in really well to a question I want to ask you. Um, it's a bit more of a broader question and we'll see how, how, how we go go with this. But you mentioned you're nearly 30. Um, you've got a lot of things going on, uh, obviously, with your relationship, but then more importantly, well, not more importantly, sorry, but then another aspect is is obviously your business and where you're trying to take it and all the big goals you have with that and the amazing work you're doing with there. Life as a whole, what has been your biggest challenge right now and in 2024 this year so far? Like, what has been your biggest thing? A couple of things, I mean... One, relationship-wise, we're just about to have to go through doing a partner visa, which is super expensive and also a massive commitment to legally being partners because she needs a visa. So that's kind of something that's massively on my mind, but we're working through that. But then also piling on top of that, building a business that's now kind of had three years of growth on top of each other, employing someone, having to learn how to grow a business and support another person and continually evolve the business is something that has been a challenge but I've now got a consultant that's helping me with some branding and growth and sort of letting go of a bit of control and going like I don't have to know everything I can let somebody else help me guide the ship a bit but then mm. another thing and which is what I'm really excited about this year I feel like my business is one thing that's amazing once again that's like that second mountain but I feel like you still also need to climb that first mountain where you're doing something for yourself and I feel like I haven't had that for a little while my surfing was always about me and then now with the business, it's been amazing growing it, but now I'm like, I need a challenge for myself that's kind of me doing something for me. So I've signed up for like a 100-kilometer run in the Blue Mountains in a race um, in May. So that's going to be a big... days, yeah, 100 days, 100 days of training to do a 100-kilometer run. So that's going to be mid-May. So that's something that's going to be a challenge, but I think, once again, it's going to give me that purpose of something to work towards. It's going to give me that target that I'm going to shoot the arrow at in a few months rather than just like, okay, I've just got to go to work again, try and grow the business. I feel like there hasn't been this target to shoot an arrow at, whereas now I'm like, okay, I'm working towards this run. That's something that's going to be a big challenge, but it's also something that's really given me drive and purpose for this year. It's amazing. Having that goal to really strive towards, and that's a huge thing and, and and for everyone that wants to follow along with that be sure i'll leave all of cooper stuff in the in the show notes to make sure that you can check it out but a hundred days of training you're going to run a hundred kilometer ultra marathon in the blue mountains four and a half thousand meters of elevation four and a half thousand meters of elevation as well and you've done a marathon before done one marathon one marathon and not a big runner yourself it's just going to be a full mental toughness game i would say pretty much 
Insane. I see if I can push myself. <laughs> Insane. Cooper, I want to commend you as well. I, I just, I'm really inspired by what you're doing, the work you're doing, and just your story as a whole. I've, I mean, been blessed to be able to speak to you a, a decent amount, and I just really... Um, I'm really inspired by the work you're doing. It's super amazing. And then also just your ability to communicate on things like podcasts and on stage. You're, you're very inspiring and, and something I definitely want to work towards. So thank oh. you so much. No, thank you, brother. And as well, it's been epic to watch your journey. I remember, I guess, a year before you started to blow up on TikTok and social media, how hard you were working at it and you never gave up. You kept chipping away, trying to find your niche. And now look at what you've done. It's so cool to watch you growing and taking over the world and really trying to do it from a pure place of helping people. And you can see in the way that you talk, the conviction you talk with, that it is coming from that really pure place. So, mate, it's been epic to watch your journey. I'm looking forward to having a chat on my podcast about your story as well. Yep, that's what we're doing straight off the bat. And thank you, Cooper. Really appreciate it, man. All of Cooper's stuff, uh, details will be in the show notes. Um, and so you guys can definitely reach out, check out his podcast, Good Humans. I'll be on there as well. Um, super exciting conversation. Thank you to everyone that has tuned in so far. I can't thank you all enough for making it to the end of this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. And if you haven't already, drop a follow on whatever platform you are watching this on. Cooper, appreciate you, man. Cheers, my brother. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 